Hey everyone, this is Rick, and welcome back to the Seed Startup Journey, the entrepreneurship podcast sharing the origin stories of amazing founders and the companies in under 20 minutes. Today, I'll be chatting with James Graham, founder and CEO of Community Phone. This is probably one of the best conversations I've had on the seat so far, not just because he used to charge people to see molding raspberries in his locker, but because of his amazing journey going from what most people would consider a failure to now a founder who's gone through both the Teal Fellowship and Y Combinator, both of which have a lower acceptance rate than Harvard. Hey James, thank you so much for coming onto our podcast today. Before talking about your company, Community Phone, I wanted to ask you something that I read on your website, which is you used to keep molding raspberries in your locker and charge people to see them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of people will buy a lot of things. And I mean, we got there, I was maybe in sixth grade when that happened. And, you know, I was given, I bought some raspberries and kept them in there and they ended up molding. And I took them out and there was, people were fascinated. It's like, oh, we could we could charge for this and do it again. And <laughs> turns out we could. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I think that's pretty ingenious. And I saw that you're also doing all sorts of things like, you know, selling duct tape wallets and leasing out Minecraft servers to gamers. So have you known like always like growing up that you weren't going to follow a traditional path that, you know, like my Asian parents would say, go be a doctor, an engineer, a lawyer, right? Like you wanted to craft your own and be an entrepreneur. Like, have you always known that? No, no. I mean, that the, the label came way later. Those things ended up being things that were fun to do. Um, and it's like the money that they generated were a way to do it again, in a way. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it felt like ga a game. Um, and it, it kind of has continued to feel that way. And when I graduated, um, you know, I switched high schools five times because I guess, of the, so like my whole life at that time was like really the op, like I'm failing. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm, I, you know, I went to a school for pregnant teenagers, you know, and I'm, I'm a woman, you know, my parents are really trying, you know, there are only so many things you can do in Wisconsin. Um, and then I was sent to a boarding school for troubled youth in Vermont. I mean, so when I graduated, you know, I was accepted to none of the college, like I was planning to go. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it took a long time to realize what was going on. Looking back, that's more clear. But in the moment, you're like, is this okay? Like, is this like everybody else is doing this other thing? And I have these urges or I have these impulses. And like the people I respect are telling me I'm not doing well. Like I trust them. <laughs> so I'm, it must be right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very hard to, like, I was forced to not outsource my own definition of success because I had failed tremendously. Yeah. So how did you kind of get out of that, like bubble, like confused states? Like, how did you know what to do next? <laughs> yeah. Well, you, I get, you don't, <laughs> I mean, like you're, I was a very scared kid, um, I still am in certain respects, of course, like fear is very powerful. Like it knows exactly what it's doing when it grips you. <laughs> there, there are certain things we do. We feel like we are okay. Like, or we, we do things that are just like so interesting or exciting at times where it's like the other stuff is kind of other people's business and, and certain things that I had done or, you know, like I, I loved, you know, uh, video games and setting up servers for people to play video games together. And when I was doing those things, it kind of made all the rest of it like tolerable. Um, but, you know, I was depressed and anxious for years and uh, 
like you only have certain things that are certain that where the light comes in and it's like the internet for me has been a big place where the light comes in and uh I don't, but it wasn't, it wasn't that conscious is what I'm trying to say. And there, like, there's some other faith necessary that just like, it's like, I didn't put myself here. Some divine force put myself here, whatever you want to call it, science, the universe, whatever is if there's a way to at least stay with it, maybe over time, there are things that I can't possibly predict now with my linear projections of the future, which is how we all project the future with a linear approach. My future will be roughly incrementally better. And again, year after year, when it's really like just these massive, like really high growth curves. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, like you just, but there's some type of faith that goes on too. some type of faith. And then like, what is it going on in my heart where I feel like a child with excitement Mm -hmm. and like, how do I I get there? And, I, you know, I don't know. That's kind of a vague <laughs> answer, but <laughs> no, I, I love that. And I mean, it seems like right now you probably found something that you're super interested in. Right? Like, can you tell us a little bit more about the company that you're building? You know, Community Phone, and perhaps how it's different from you know the giants like AT and T or T Mobile. Sure. Well, the the primary difference is that we are interested in making all of this telephony or these phone companies, which are often how many people onboard to the internet as accessible as possible. You know, so we're a carrier and we buy wholesale from the companies that you just listed. And when we do that, we can provide much cheaper rates to our end customers. But what's becoming more interesting is, well, all the information that we have across all these customers about who's calling who, what else can be true? And there are interesting answers around spam call blocking, There are interesting answers around services that can be provided to businesses. We live in a country where the majority of business is done via voice, not the internet. Mm -hmm. And nobody's thinking about voice from an e-commerce point of view. Um, And so there are a lot of things that are sort of just beginning to take off. But what we know for certain is that many people have been left out and shut out by big tech or too big tech. And we like being a really easy way for them to get onboarded to the internet generally. Yeah. So how did you come up with this idea? Because, and I guess maybe more importantly, like why did you decide to focus on this? Because I feel like you always have all these projects and different ideas that you're working on. Why this idea in particular? All of those things are all like, I work on one project at a time and it came out of a previous company I had started when I first came when I graduated um, from this board, boarding school and I had nowhere to go, I moved into my buddy's basement in Western Mass. And, you know, I was supposed to be in college, but like here I am in this basement in Western Mass and we're starting this mobile company. And I got a job writing software for this small consulting firm in the South End, wrote some apps for these companies and realized that a lot of these apps were written with n- without security or the network in mind, how fast they'll be or how secure the network will be. And that led us on this huge path around what is HTTP, which is what we see in our web browser, and what is the secure version of that, HTTPS. Mm -hmm. And we saw many applications forego the implementation of HTTPS because the users don't know. If you're in Chrome, in the lock in the top left, you see if it's unlocked, if it's missing. But in your mobile app, there's no equivalent. Anyway, we started a company called Caffeine, which was a drag and drop SDK, which was the fastest way to do 
you know, any type of network from a client to a server. My whole life for the next two years became flying around the country to big apps, talking to their product managers and engineering teams, convincing them for like nine month sales cycles to leave behind like Snapchat, stop <laughs> using HTTP and start using this thing we made that's closed mm -hmm. source and we're going to charge you for it, but it'll be faster. And needless to say, the market wasn't there, you know, very impressive technology, but the market wasn't there. And what we learned in all of those meetings, though, sort of affirmed a lot of the assumptions we brought to bear, even if our method of providing benefits was not necessarily through an SDK, we still understood that nobody's thinking about the network. So in fact, if we look at the amount of data that we as a customer, as a consumer are required to use or buy from our phone company, when we use facebook.com, for example, more than four fifths of it has nothing to do with what we see. It has nothing to do with what we see. Mm. And we see, we see media, we, we see like right. heavy data stuff. So what's going on? Well, it's all the third parties in the background, all that are serving ads that are thinking about your location that are polling your network and sending data. It's like, that's pretty interesting. Like 80% for 80% 80, 80 of this, what I'm buying from AT&T is so a company can serve me ads. That was the initial impetus. Like, I can't believe this is going on. What is actually, what is going on? Like, why is this industry here at all in the age of the internet? How can we, how can we begin to understand that? Um, so that's, that's kind of where it came from. Yeah, it's definitely super fascinating. And I, I didn't know that that was happening before you told me this. Um, and I also wanted to touch a little bit more um, along your journey of building this company, because I, I know that you're a Teal Fellow and you also went through Y Combinator, which are probably two of the hardest programs to get into in the startup world. And I was wondering if you could you know share a little bit about what those experiences were like and whether they helped you along your journey of building your company. Sure. Well, for the Teal Fellowship, you know, I was rejected a few times and then I got it. And I, I got that maybe when I was um, 19 or so I had already started. I'd already had the job in Boston and had started the caffeine. They they saw what was going on. You know, you know, everybody, a lot of other people are there from Harvard or MIT, you know, and I'm just a guy toiling away out, out here, kind of just trying to make something work. And I, you know, they were one of the first um, big people to bet on me. You know, I have a lot of love for that group. Um, that was really, it was really special. Um, you know, the money is great. You know, they give a hundred grand over the next two years, which all went to the failed business, right? I use that up, right? It's really helpful stuff though. Money is super helpful if you can get it. The most important thing there was the people, you know, meeting other like-minded people. Um, that was really the valuable thing. I didn't have that really, you know, I had such a fragmented high school experience and then, uh, you know, didn't have college and was like, there's like alone in this massive city. So that was, that was really nice. And for YC, we did their startup school, you know, and we were interested in their startup school because we were interested in discipline, you know, at the, you know, and we'd already started community phone at this point. So we started their startup school, maybe a few months later, and just wanted a way to hold our feet to the fire, having to report weekly on revenue growth to somebody that you respect will really force you to consider like why it's not growing, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what we wanted. And um, we were invited to come and interview after going through the startup school program. And so we did that free trip to SF, right? Like mm -hmm. maybe we can sell, do some, some business there. And, and we did their interview 
it's funny, you know, even during the, my Teal interview, even during this interview, like, you know, you don't, you don't always know they're going well. You know, I, I thought, <laughs> I thought I like, I bombed these things. You know, I spoke the whole time. Like it was like a very fast exchange. Um, but yeah, that uh, getting accepted to YC was, was kind of the second time that uh, we had an investor had bet on, on me in a big way. And Dalton over there was, was our group partner. And um, he was the first person to write me a check for equity in any company ever. And that's magical. Like it's magical. And then, you know, everybody will say, oh, well, you know, well, that's so expensive, right? You know, it's a, you sell 6% or something. It's like, why, who are you? Why, what is that? Like, <laughs> you're going to get here, you're going to meet all these people. Like, don't you want to take the shortest path and every unfair advantage available ever? Like what you're competing against is the clock or does the market exist at all? Like, you know, we know Knuth says premature optimization is the root of all evil. And it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can't, it's just funny to see how many people are optimizing for, you know, a percentage of a pie that's worth nothing. <laughs> but no, that was really special. I highly recommend it for the, both of those programs. I mean, and if you absolutely, I would recommend them to everybody. Yeah. But then, and then you get there and it's like, oh my God, these people, they're not genius. They're not like, they're just kind of <laughs> like me, me or you. They're just kind of like, thoughtful, interested people who are yearning for something. Um, and like, that's even worse in a way, because then it's like, what have <laughs> I been doing? What have I been doing with my time? <laughs> right? If they're here and at this point, if I'm at this point, what's really going on? And that's why it's productive. That's why it's really helpful, mm-hmm. because it forces this honesty. Um, if you're open to it, right? I mean, and you can get that in a lot of ways, but great, great programs. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and I wanted to dive also a little bit deeper into some of the challenges of building up this community, because I know it's pretty funny. Like yesterday, I was actually chatting with the co-founder of T-Mobile, and he told me that in the early days, their telecom startup actually had to file for bankruptcy. Um, <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So I was now they just bought you. Sprint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess for you, like, were there any specific like failures that, you know, you could share with us? The big one of the big ones was that my co-founder was a friend from my childhood and he's no longer with the company. Um, and that was excruciating in its type of pain. And then, and you think the business is going to die. Like, you know, that's half of the company, right? It's like, yeah. oh my God. And so, you know, and after that, you know, I just, like the weeks become like easily more than a hundred hours. Like you're doing all the fulfillment, all the customer support, taking calls in the middle of the night. So that, that was like a really intense time where we thought like, Oh my God, we're going to die. Um, or I'm going to die <laughs> literally myself. An- another point would be like, we got our first hundred customers by um, like, we tried so many things, you know, we printed out bookmarks and would go to the Barnes and Nobles and put the bookmarks in books that we thought our customers would be looking at like none of these things work like hundreds of like bad bad ideas like that um so we just started taking a table out to the streets of boston and milwaukee you know like you know i see 50 dollars of mrr walking through my house right now you know it's like <laughs> these people are all over and i wonder what so we took this table out and we got our first hundred customers by standing there and telling promising them that we weren't selling solar panels but your cell phone plans let me talk to you about that and you know, we got, you know, detained by the police a few times. And, you know, eventually we came around because we promised to give them lemonade, you know, and, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, but we ended up through that experience, finding a way to sell through retail stores without paying rent, where we would take over the, the, the building. So like in the middle of Harvard Square, like an old Starbucks building, 
and we would occupy it, make it look great, hopefully get some press so that the landlord could sell it sooner. You know, because if they can sell it two months faster, that's 40 grand additional in, in recoup savings. And that was our model. So like, that's really what we applied to YC with, like getting that idea, like that arbitrage, basically. Our business was, we are going to do this all over the country. Strap in. That's what we're going. That's where we're headed. And the, the coronavirus came out and took all of that away overnight. Um, so all the money we raised, all the people we hired, all of the learnings that for the past year and a half no longer applied <laughs> at all. I mean, and so our entire identity was questioned. You know, this was an existential crisis as well as a global crisis. It's like, oh, we just got the boulder up to the top of the hill and now we're back at the bottom. And like, is there even a hill here at all? <laughs> like, <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. So I was wondering if you have any advice for, you know, someone like me who is still a student, you know, in college, but I'm interested in entrepreneurship and might want to start something of my own in the future. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, I think like generally most advice is pretty conservative, you know, like everybody who like people who just want you to be okay, you know, they want you to have a nice family. And, and so like, I, I think like I would have questions like, how do you know that you want that? And what does it mean? You know, is what you're seeking the freedom that it affords you? Is what you're seeking sort of the achievement or the feeling of, of when you accomplish something that's hard? You know, is there a component there of like the, the taste of adventure of setting off into a chaotic, unexplored frontier? You know, when I start thinking, oh, I am this person, I am this entrepreneur, or I am this founder, that's when I stop exploring in a way, you know, when I start saying this is who I am. And then that's when I begin looking for evidence to support the decisions that I've already made. And so I, I've, I've been catching myself recently doing that, like this, this need to have an identity so I can tell people what I am and be, I need a category guys, put me in a category, put me in a box. And like, we actually don't want to be in a box. Like I, I think life starts when we realize that all the boxes and labels and categories are fake and they serve different purposes um, than what we're talking about here, which is exploring unexplored frontiers. I don't really know if that's advice, but it would just be to really like, how do I know who I am and how do I know how well I know that? You know, cause I find myself affected by the, this other thing. Like I want, I want to be this thing. I wanted, this is who I admire. I want to be this founder person. But then over here, like I feel pulled. And then it's like, then there's judgment. It's like, I'm pulled over here, but I want to be this, like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> and it's like, well, nothing like you're human. We're human. Um, but just be, if, if what, but if what we're interested in is a sensation almost, you know, or like, right. I want to explore. It's like, then it becomes easier. Then it's like, we can get past the labels that everybody around us wants to put us in. They need their labels, but mm -hmm. maybe we don't need them. I think that there's a lot to explore there. Um, really like, why am I here at all? What's my goal? If, if I don't know where I'm going, any path will take me there. So like well, roughly where do I want to go and why? Know mm -hmm. that. Don't outsource that. Know that. Yeah. No, I, I think that's probably one of the best advice I've heard. Like, and I love the way you put it too. I definitely have to spend some time probably right after this to think more about that. Me too. Uh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully that never leaves. Like you can imagine a person who that's just how they live with mm -hmm. that type of awareness. And I imagine that like the first time we ask that question sincerely, it's going to be really scary if you're doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> but then if you get in the habit of it, 
presumably it's like a little easier and a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Jump very quickly to the game I prepared. It's called Underrated, Overrated. First one, Elon Musk. Over. 5G. Overrated. Blockchain. Overrated. Wow. Okay. I, I got to stop and ask, like, what, what are your reasons for those? Because those are like, you know, really hot, really trendy topics, you know? Well, that would be my reason probably that they're hot and trendy. Mm. It'd be interesting also to ask like Elon directly if he thinks that he's over or underrated, you know, and the answer <laughs> might surprise us too. What about business books? Um, overrated. And then day trading. Overrated. Got it. Yeah. So those are all the topics I've prepared. I guess, for <laughs> I guess I'm some pessimist or something. Let me, let me, let, what do I think is underrated? I think telecoms yeah. dramatically underrated, obviously. <laughs> but not like in the 5G direction? I, I think that, well, let me try to say this politely. Um, <laughs> what is the benefit to a consumer? One thing that I learned at Caffeine is that fast enough is fast enough. And I think that 5G, like the fact that 5G is in so much marketing suggests that there isn't a whole lot else going on that's truly novel in that space. If what we're talking about is the RAN equipment that sits on top towers, like we just want our email to work. Like our email is working before, it's going to keep working, right? And like short of like VR or AR, like becoming totally mainstream and then there being like a real bound of latency there, maybe, right? Certainly for some scientific or industrial applications, I'm sure it's great, you know, but for (laughs) most of us, like our email's going to keep working. Facebook's going to keep loading. Um, I hope it works. We need more investment here. Um, but like definitely uh, like not where we're focused. Got it. Awesome. So this is it for today's interview. Thank you again for coming on and I wish you the best of luck. Thanks, Rick. Good to meet you. And uh, likewise. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I honestly really had to pause a moment right after my call with James and think about his last piece of advice. How do I know who I am? And how do I know how well I know that? Just think about it. Feel free to message us on Instagram or email me at stopjourney.riklu at gmail.com and let me know what your favorite part or your takeaways are. And before you go, if you'd like to have our weekly interviews summarized and one minute startup droplets delivered to your inbox, make sure to head over to our website and subscribe. I also put the link in the descriptions. And with that, let's grow our seed of innovation and creativity together. I'll see you next time.